Deep Shot Podcast, episode 37, Ron Artest. Oh, nice. The Sean Alexander episode. Oh. Hey, that's meta world peace to you. Yeah, exactly. I was thinking <laughs> right when I said it, I was like, "Is was he 37 when he was meta world peace? I don't remember. He was. The Braves are up 2 nothing in the NLCS, boys. How are we feeling? It feels great, but here's one thing. We were up 2-0 last year. We can't get ahead of ourselves. We can't get ahead of ourselves. We know th- what is at stake, okay? We know what we have to do. We've done it the last two nights. Just got to keep it close, get to their bullpen. Their bullpen's tired, man. There's no bullpen mm-hmm. in Major League Baseball that has been working like the L.A. Dodgers has, uh, especially going back to Game 5 of the San Francisco series. They were drained. Game 1, they pitched a lot against us. Their bullpen is getting used. We have to get to the bullpen and keep it close. Inning seven, eight, nine. That's where we win. Last night after we won, all I could think about was the the Kobe press conference video where he was like up two zero in the finals. He was like, "Job's not done. What's to celebrate?" That's exactly how I feel because like I know we've been here before, and I know how it went. Mm-hmm. So yep. we just got to grind it out. This team's got a little bit more mojo about it though, doesn't it not? It, it, it does. Year. And Here's what has me going. The fact that we have Charlie Morton going in game three in L.A., the most experienced pitcher on the roster, probably playing in the biggest game of the series right now because if we go up 3-0, I mean, it'd be really hard. You know, I'm not saying it wouldn't happen, but I'm saying it'd be hard to mess that up with two at least two games back in Atlanta. I'm feeling really good about game three. Like, Jake, you just said, get to the bullpen Maybe put up a run or two on Bueller. I mean, the team is hitting. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about these stats through the first two games for the Braves. First of all, we had back-to-back walk-offs. That was the first time that's happened in a championship series since, like, 1959 when the Orioles were doing it. That's how you know how long ago it was. Yeah, right. I mean, just some stats off the bat. Ozzy three for eight in two games, two runs in RBI. Big jock with a big cock. Two for seven, that big home run, two-run home run last night. Eddie Rosario, the four-hit game last night, the walk-off hero last night. Five for nine, a run in an RBI, the RBI obviously being the walk-off. Austin Riley's got him a home run, three RBIs. The bullpen— Should have two home runs, honestly. Yep. The bullpen, three hits, two runs, ten strikeouts through ten innings pitched. All of that while Freddie Freeman is 0 for 8 with, like, seven Ks. And yeah, Exactly. Yeah. Biggest point. We're we're hitting. We're up 2-0. Freddie Freeman hasn't even smelled first base yet. Not even gotten close to it. And we're up 2-0. That's our best player. That's our defending National League MVP. It's great things to see. That's what makes a good team. Every October, you see these teams that make a run. They have a good bullpen and timely hitting. That's what you need to win games in October. You, you can you can win a series four to three. You can go barely over five hundred and win the series. And that's what we see every October. We see some teams that maybe during the regular season weren't able to string together a ton of wins. But even going back to remember earlier this season, we had 17 straight games of win oh, loss, win loss, loss. You win 17, you get do that in the postseason. Win loss, win loss, win loss, win loss in the right order. You win the World Series. You know what I'm saying? Yes. There, there's there's some you know not great things to resilience. it obviously because you want to win some games. But that team exactly resilience is the <clears> best <throat> word. Because they never got down on themselves. They kept fighting, even when it was, you know, the middle of the summer and we were 10 games under 500, hadn't smelled 500 all year. We lose Acuna, we lose Azuna, we haven't had Soroka all year. I love this team, man. I just love this I do team. Too. I do too. You could tell. I mean, going now 2 nothing early, Jock ties it back up 2 2. Then you get in that situation where you're down 4 2. It just, it, it's like when me and Caleb were at game four, we talked about this on the last yep. episode. 
it was just like you go down two nothing, you're freaking out. You're like, we've lost the game. <clears throat> then you you tie back up two two. You're like, all right, here we go. Then you go down four two. You're like, oh. Uh, it's gonna be hard to get back in it against you know mm-hmm. you see Urias and the pin bad news go out there put two more on the board and walk it off to the ninth I mean this team literally in the last three innings has been so good whenever we get down we're right back up fun to see it's fun to, it's fun to watch we still got a long way to go it does feel a little bit I don't know how but it feels different from last year it feels like we were better last year because we had better players we had Acuna Azuna but it just feels like we're a little more feisty this year. A little more something to prove, especially with only Very 88 gritty, gritty minutes. Team. Yeah. Gritty team, really gritty team. And the main thing, too, is, like, we're playing really good situationally. Like, we screwed up the base pass in the in the DS, obviously. Like Jake said, they're situationally hitting the ball. And another thing I find to be huge is we're not swinging at just, like, garbage pitches. Like, the Dodgers are swinging at everything to me when I watch them. We're taking balls when we need to. And that's the reason why Gratterall got took out the game last night. He was throwing – Inside heat, 103, which is absolutely absurd, first of all. Yeah. But we get a broken bat swing off of that, one of his few inside strikes, and then we bring in Jansen and we just, you know, get the rope in. We're playing really good. Uh, hats off to Snip. He's got his team rolling. Hey, give Snip credit, especially yesterday with the Ian Anderson decision. We were talking about that. I thought that was uh, the right move. You could tell Ian was a little shook after that first inning. And you do not want to give that Dodgers lineup with Mookie, Seager, Trey Turner. I mean, those are the first three people you're facing. You got Justin Turner out of the the game, obviously, with his injury. But, I mean, that lineup still goes crazy. And if Ian Anderson's not going to be giving you six, go ahead and take him out in the third. Get the bullpen. That has been literally, I told you the stats, 10 innings pitched, three hits, two runs. Give me that all day. Yeah, absolutely. And just to add on that, like, Sticker definitely deserves his praise. And I know he said it a hundred times, but Alex Anthropolis and that work he did at the at the deadline, like yesterday, what we have done if we don't have Eddie Rosario to get yeah. four for five, we or lose that game. Or John Peterson to hit another two-run home run, yeah. or Duvall, or even going back late down the stretch to clinch the NL East. In my opinion, Jorge Soler was the best yeah. out of the three. Now Still we don't, don't have, have Soler because of COVID, and we're fine. We're fine because we made those moves at the deadline that a lot of people, me included, for a little bit, I was thinking, I was like, you know, what are we doing? You know, I mean, what what are these guys going to do to help us down the road? And now we got Eddie Rosario going four for freaking five in game two of the NLCS, helping us go two up against the Dodgers. Crazy. It it can't be a huge spot in a huge spot, too, in the lineup. Mm -hmm. Like, that's a huge hole that we've had. On the other side, the Dodgers, this stat, two for 18 with runners in scoring position. They have seriously got on the bases very easily, I feel like, in this series. Just can't bring them home. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I think yeah. there's been, like, there in game one, there was, like, four straight innings they got the leadoff man on. Last night, I'm pretty sure five or six innings they got the leadoff man on. They just, two for 18, Chris Taylor has both of those hits. Wild stat to me, because it, it does seem like they're getting to second base, like, every inning, but not bringing them home. That just... Shows what the bullpen's doing. Game three, though, this is the stat that worries me, especially while we were talking about this in the group chat earlier, too. The baseball playoffs being 2-3-2. The Braves are 1-10 in their last 11 at Dodger Stadium. Yeah. If we were, if hey, but all one, we need is one, though. That's the thing. You just need one. You just need one of these next two. You'll feel good about coming back home. Definitely. That's the thing. Is If it was 1-1 and we had to go to Dodger Stadium for three straight and had to win one of them to stay alive – it's a completely different conversation. You go out there 2-0, and theoretically, it would hurt. Don't get me wrong when I say this. It would hurt drastically. Theoretically, we could go out there and drop all three, 
and we're still going back to Atlanta for, for an opportunity to close it out in front of our fans. Um, yeah. But going back to what you just said a second ago, I think you said the Dodgers were two for 18 with runners in scoring position. That goes straight back to the NLDS and the Brewers, how they uh, were hitting with runners in scoring position. And that's got to be a testament, you know, back to Snit in his, his situational, getting the pitchers out there, you know, playing, playing to weaknesses, you know, getting the correct matchups, getting righty-righty, getting lefty-lefty. I, I know we just said this. He has literally called a perfect postseason. The only issue I've had with him so far, putting Heredia out in center last night, it cost us two That runs. was. That was. Um, but outside of that, I literally I cannot find another mistake that we've had substitutionalized. The only thing that's kind of concerning to me is that we yes we went to this bullpen really early a lot and they're pitching well, but I don't want to get in the same position that the Dodgers are in where by the end of the series the bullpens are gas and when you need them the most they're tired as shit. Mm-hmm. So the only thing that kind of concerns me right now like we need a guy to go the distance like go give me five give me six innings just shut out baseball or one run baseball you know just keep us in the game. We really need that. That way we can give our guys a, a break for a night or two. I would agree, yeah. I think Mort needs to go five or six in game yeah. three tomorrow night. Yeah, I think yeah. he will. I think he will. Yeah, I think he can, yeah. He's the not AL- coming off a short rest this go-round, so should be fine. The ALCS, Astros, Red Sox tied at 1-1, currently doing the pod during game three. Red Sox are up six to nothing. What are Just you- grand slams all over the place, yeah, man. Three I've never grand seen this. Grand slams last two games for the Red Sox. Who do y'all think is going to win this series? I think it'll be the Red Sox. I got the same feeling about the Red Sox as I have the Braves, man. It seems like they're just teams of destiny, man. Like, it is just meant to be for it to be the Braves and the Red Sox. The Red Sox, you know, like we just said, they're just hitting at the right times. And in game one, um, was, you know, definitely a little bit less high scoring. But in game two, when you're able to do that, when you're able to hit two grand slams on the road, I saw on Twitter earlier someone said, Oh, the advantage really swung to the Red Sox once they were able to steal one on the road. You hitting two grand slams on the road is not stealing a game. That is <laughs> beat them. They beat them at yeah. the Nate Park. Honestly, also, I would just love to see the Astros lose. You know, I will never forgive them as long as they have that primary group configured together in Houston. They will always be cheaters to me, and I want to see them lose. Like, no question. I feel like Fenway in October just hits different does i feel like the red sox too what about you caleb it's gonna be cold as shit man but i think the red sox just like jake said in the postseason it's about who's hot and who's not right now and this is the same thing with the dodgers i mean the dodgers didn't hit well in the last series and they're not doing the thing this series either comparatively the braves are situationally hitting good and so are the red sox and I think the Sox, just like Jake said, pitching well enough in the back end, and their stars are giving them up enough on the front end, and they just have magic on the base paths right now. I like I like the Red Sox. I think they'll keep mm-hmm. this thing rolling. Let's get I, into- you just one real quick more. before we get into football, man. I've I've always I've, I love I've always loved baseball. You know, I've always loved baseball, but through and through, I've always been a football guy. Always. Last yeah. night. I was watching the break. I completely forgot that the Steelers, Steelers and, Seahawks, and yeah. Uh, Seahawks oh, yeah, game absolutely. Was on. Yeah. didn't I will even agree. come into my I head. I about it because I had a parlay with the Braves game with it for the Steelers to win. But yeah. I, was, I didn't watch any of it until the Braves game was over, which was like I, the last I, 30 seconds. I got like, a, like an alert, and it was like uh, going to OT. I was like, oh, there's Sunday night football on tonight. And I, that is that shocked me. Al Michaels wasn't even calling the game. Tariko was calling the game with yeah, Tariko. That's how unimportant NBC even thought the game was. Yeah, would you rather watch the Braves and the Dodgers or Geno Smith against Ben Roethlisberger in 2021? That was bad. (laughs) (laughs) Let's move on to college football this past week. So we're not doing picks this episode. We're going to have another episode this week to go over our picks from last week before we talk about what all happened. 2-5-1 for me, overall record 30-24-2. 
Lock of the week pushing again. Have not lost a lock of the week. I just want to put that out there. I'm four zero oh, and two on my locks of the weeks. I'm also zero oh, and four on upsets. But, Staying alive, man. That's all that. But I, but I think fade my upsets. Pick the favorite when I, yeah, I pick an upset. Now that hey, I that's said, why it's an upset. That's why it's an upset. Mm-hmm. And I like to be risky. Jake went four and four last week. Twenty six and thirty overall. Lock of the weeks at three and two. And upsets of the week at two and two. And then Caleb, best one in college last week, went five and two. Overall record now 16 and 15. Caleb finally got a winning record in the college football. Pickham's locks of the week three and two. Upset of the week two and two. Caleb's lock and upset hit, even though his upset was a Pickham, but it was you know unranked versus ranked. So I'll let him have it. Yeah, it counts. Um, it was like a three and two team versus like a five and one team. Yeah. You know. Talk. I knew what you were trying to do. Headlines though. First, Coach O. He is uh, going to be gone. That was announced Sunday, Saturday, right after. I mean, he gets a big win against Florida, which, by the way, that game was insane. It's crazy that, like, Florida was shitting the bed. We, and you guys have talked about this on the show, Emory Jones and how he's just not the guy. And we obviously see Anthony Richardson. guy. And it was so obvious watching that game that Anthony Richardson was just the obvious selection to be the quarterback. Mm-hmm. Because Florida had no type of offense going. Nothing. LSU was smacking him with what I just said. Coach O not even coming back. Already probably knowing he's not coming back. I mean, Florida couldn't stop him. And then Florida finally got some momentum going and still not enough. Coach O out after this season. Is Dan Mullen too? Nah. 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 I'm not going to go that far. i tell you who needs to get fired, though, is freaking Todd Grantham. He, yeah, Florida's defense. Oh, my God, dude. It's such a frustrating thing to watch because, like, some years we've been all right. We've had some really good offenses under Mullen, and we have just not. We've looked incompetent on defense. Like, that LSU running back the other day had, like, 250 yards all year, and he got, like, 280 the other night. This shouldn't happen. It just (laughs) cannot happen. Yeah, just, I don't understand how Grantham still has a job. I thought he should have got fired two years ago. I don't understand how he's still in college football. Because, I mean, go back to when his last stop was Louisville. Am I correct? Yeah. Yep. And he was terrible at Louisville. And then go yeah. back to Georgia. I don't think I ever met a Georgia fan State, that dude. was like, oh, dude, Todd Grantham's a beast, man. Third and Grantham. Third, third and Grantham. And, dude, like that team, he was there in 2012, correct? Yeah. Right. That 2012 defense was st- Stupid good. Like, you go back and look at some of the names on that. That defense was crazy, and we never were, like, dominant. Like, we definitely had good plays here and there, but we were never, like, shut the game down. You weren't crossing the 50, like, shut down. Like, we should be. Like, we are now. And you could argue that 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 defense of 2012 was just as talented as this defense we have now. There is an argument. Maybe not. Like, I might side this 2021 defense because it may be the best one of all time. Um, Okay, but getting back on track with the LSU-Florida game – I was just really perplexed with the timing of the Coach O, like, not returning. Like, that was a huge win against, you know, LSU Florida rivals. Big win at home. And then, yeah, you're out of here. Doesn't make sense to me. And we talked about on the last pod, too. Me and Garrison both, like, I told him, I said, if Coach O don't win this game, he probably ain't going to have a job after that day. Well, shit, he 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 fucking won. He still lost. But (laughs) they've been working on this for a while now and there's a lot of like the athletic came out with an article it's actually really interesting about what the life of coach o has been like since he won oh, a yeah. championship with joe Burrow. he's been divorced he's had multiple women that he's had around the facility and he's dated he lets their kids come do drills at practice like he's literally like louisiana's freaking i don't even know like their king like he's like yeah. a fit like a figurehead the king of the low been, country 
Yeah, I heard somebody said it best. They said he was the Bayou Elvis, which, I mean, this is basically what he <laughs> yeah. has been. Like, he's just not. I think he's just been living a victory lap since then. He got a little nice extension. Yeah. but he, uh, I mean, he's still going to get, like, $17 million oh, you know, yeah. for over the next five years. And his press conference, when they asked him about it, you know, yeah, he's still taking his victory lap. He's like, you know, how do you feel about your past five years? He's like, you know, I went 15-0 and and had one of the best teams ever and feel pretty good, blah, 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 blah. I feel pretty good, too, if I was Coach O. I mean, like, go back to when he was at USC, had that nice little run as the interim coach, and then they didn't keep him. And then that's why we got to LSU. I was under less miles. But I think anybody with a brain and, like, knowing about college football just kind of knew Coach O was not, like, this perennial, like, great head coach that was going to be around for a long time. LSU loved to buy into the hype because they had the best team ever. I think most people would understand that it that he was the reason they won that national championship. There's yeah, no I mean, I think I about his that. staff. When you think – let's listen to this. When you think about his staff that he had around him, right? Well, let's just talk about the players. Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, all first-round draft picks. That's the offense. Then there's Patrick Queen on the defense, Singletary, who – is that no Stingley who will be a first round pick yeah. Grant Delpit was on that team I mean they had tons and tons and tons and then you think about the coordinators offensive coordinator Joe Brady will be an NFL head coach probably within the next two or three years here and him and Ensminger on the offense yeah and their defensive coach I forget, or defense coordinator I Aranda. Aranda he's the head coach of Baylor and yeah. he's there six and one right now I mean, you got to give you got to give Coach O a little credit, though, because they won that national championship in his fourth year there. And those were all his guys that he recruited. He brought them in. He sold them the program and he did it the right way. And they sold out for one year and they had probably made the the best team in college football, arguably history. I mean, I think that team was yeah. that's the most prolific offense think, I've ever seen. I don't think. Well, duh. I mean, it's it's obvious that it was one probably the best team to ever come through college football, at least since I've been alive. But I think it's it's obvious when you look at like what's happened since, there's no way that Coach O, other than his energy and what a head coach is supposed to do, he didn't call the plays. He, I don't think he was doing any type of personnel or making any of those players better. I think he was just the ultimate motivator and symbol for LSU football for that year. I think it's obvious with what you see now that he just wasn't the reason they were winning all those games. I think the main thing about Coach O that everybody's always known is he's good with D-linemen, which, I mean, they too got at LSU, which is really hard, tough, tough thing to do, and he's a damn good recruiter. And that, that showed what in his tenure at LSU. They still have – I mean, they're not winning games. They don't have playmaking quarterback, which has always been LSU's problem. The only reason why they did so good with Joe Burrows because Joe Burrows a dude. But that's a really talented roster. He's still got there. He's just not winning with them. Dude, Boston just hit another home run. Nine nothing. Sheesh, yep. man. Just need one more run for the over. God, All right. What in it? Is that third? third? Yeah, something like that. Holy shit. Uh, dude, they're going to be a problem, three. man. They're, they're going to be a problem. They're going to be a problem. They can They can swing the bat right now. Fenway in October. Scary. Mm -hmm. Let's transition. Jake talked about it earlier. Kentucky scored twice on Georgia's defense this weekend. That was bullshit. Oh, my God. That is the worst beat for the under and, like, for the spread. The under still hit. I'm talking about Kentucky team total under. Oh, yeah. And and the spread in one. Like, I was just like, why why is this an issue? And then, God. But you can tell Georgia really didn't want to give those points. Like the whole first team defense was in. I was talking to my dad about it. I was like, I think we should just put in the or the second team defense 
just to make it seem like our first team defense still hasn't given up that many points. Brutal, especially for our pickums and stuff. I mean, Georgia still controlled the game. Stetson Bennett, I want to I want to give a shout out to Stetson Bennett. Uh, he was putting the ball in some fucking tight windows this week in a game that, you know, I'm not saying I was ever nervous about Kentucky, but I mean, you needed to you needed to put your foot on the gas. The Kentucky team's no slouch. They played pretty well considering the circumstances and how everyone else has played against us. He, I mean, the touchdown to Brock Bowers, I mean, a few passes to Brock Bowers. Good stats for him. Defense did their thing. Uh, just another great win going into the bye week. Yeah, 100%. And Jordan Davis should win the Heisman. He should. He Jordan, should. Dude, that, that block field goal. Two block goal. field goals, by the way, for this Georgia dude, team. Dude, let's just talk about the block field goal. That lineman was in there giving him his all, had his cleats in the dirt, and Jordan Davis literally made him do a moonwalk backwards. That's how much force is just being brought by that man. He is a monster. An absolute beast. He is a monster. And I, I can't – Kentucky scoring twice. All I got to say is pain on that because, you know, if you took the line at 21. Yeah, yeah. 21 and a half. At the, begin, at the beginning of the week, it was 23 and a half. And I have a pool that I do with some friends of mine. First of all, the mixed extra points screwed me, and then they went down there and scored. But, mm-hmm. I mean, that was just kind of a brutal way to end that game right there for betting purposes. Good teams cover. They didn't cover. What does that mean? I know yeah, good teams win. Great teams great cover. Teams cover. It's true. Yeah, that's true. That's true. We've been covering though, so yeah. I Iowa lost twenty-four to seven, dude. Purdue's quarterback, like I was watching the highlights of this game. You know, teams that you never watch, like this quarterback looked elite. Like he was putting the ball everywhere. Purdue was moving the ball easy on Iowa's defense, and Iowa after a big win last week, twenty-four to seven. I mean, that was the question though about Iowa is their offense wasn't good enough to do a lot of things, and it obviously wasn't good enough to do anything against Purdue. That's right. I, I just I, it's very annoying when I heard on like game day this past Saturday when they're talking about, you know, making a picture or whatever and Curve Street and Corso were so big on Iowa. They're like they play football the right way. They it's a sixty year old method, but it still works in today's time. Yeah, bullshit. All you gotta do is score on them twice and they're toast. Listen, they the reason why Iowa has been looking as good as they did all year is because they had like a plus nineteen turnover margin. Where yeah. do you ever hear that? You, yeah. That is not a thing. And so whenever they don't get teams to turn the ball over, that's what happens. I didn't think mm-hmm. Iowa, and we talked about this so long ago, that there wasn't those top teams. And the only reason why they were ranked that high is because they had beat Penn State and they were undefeated. Well, and that, and you you bring up a good point there because I don't remember who it was, but I saw I was where people kept talking about how Iowa kept playing against like injured quarterbacks, not healthy enough teams and that was the whole reason they were undefeated and then people were and people were coming to the defense of iowa saying well they do that they do that every week so if they do that every week then that's obviously just them how they play football like i just said earlier give credit to Purdue's quarterback because he was healthy and he was dropping dimes on iowa's defense making them i mean they just looked lost it looked like every purdue wide receiver was wide open purdue is now a top 25 team also this stat is pretty crazy purdue had the longest streak out of any power five football team to not be in the top 25 hadn't been ranked in top 25 since like 2007 wow Uh, oh dear god they're 25 now props that's crazy i would not have thought that i would have thought at least one time in the last 14 years they would have cracked the top 25 so here's my thing that i was most surprised about uh of that game was just how Iowa was getting beat, man. Like, I'm not going to say that I was, you know, completely drinking the Kool-Aid of Iowa thinking that they could potentially, you know, run the table and uh, find themselves. I wouldn't have been surprised. 
I just I figured they would have they were gonna lose a game, but not to Purdue at home. Mm-hmm. Yeah, lose to Michigan or Michigan State or Iowa State. Somebody like you know respectful. Yeah, that is that shocked me. It's Saturday Saturday I you know I was down in the borough, you know, having a time. I wasn't really glued to my TV. So, you know, every once in a while I was like checking the scores periodically. We had the game on outside. And I was just checking. I was like, "What? Like, what is going on?" And, you know, it shocked me, man. Because, like, 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 Caleb, what you said about the whole plus nineteen turnover differential—that's good. Yeah, you know, that's good, good dandy. It's a lot better than minus nineteen. But in the same sense, you can't rely on a plus nineteen turnover differential because that's not going to carry over every single Saturday. There's going to be a game save. that you're going to that you're going to run into within six games into the season. Plus nineteen, you're averaging. Three getting three more takeaways and turnovers. You can't rely on that because that's not going to happen. And then with the game that comes along when you're 500, you know, one and one in the uh, turnover differential, you're going to have to make those plays. You're not going to have to keep getting the short field or put them, you know, back in the coffin corner. These aren't things like you're going to have to play man on man, hat on hat football. What we saw this week, I was was just not the team that we that a lot of people thought they were. Which is disappointing, right. man. I was really hoping that they could. I was really <laughs> hoping that they were going to be able to win their win the, uh, the Big Ten. I thought that was going to be cool, but yeah. yeah. I mean, I had to take that if Ohio State didn't win it, they were. So freaking about Iowa though. This quarterback thing is actually interesting, and come to think of it, that makes a lot of sense. And we talked about this last week, Garrison. I think if Sean Clifford stays in that game, Iowa does not come away with the dub. They were getting their ass whooped before yeah. he and got. Iowa, out. We talked about it last week too. Iowa had. Four turnovers in, or forced four turnovers in that game, and won the game by three points. And mm-hmm. but, but of, of those four turnovers, they only scored three points. So and that was the difference of the game. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Some other things. Texas blew that game against Oklahoma State. I mean, that was freaking ridiculous. Jesus, Texas, Jesus. <laughs> it's Texas was, they're supposed to be all gas, no breaks, and they keep running out of gas in the fourth quarter. What's the deal? I mean, Jeez, I mean, hey, you see them gas prices, man. It's getting crazy. Their quarterback ah. did get hurt. Their quarterback did get hurt, but still, geez, man. I mean, they just their foot off the gas. Foot, foot their foot yeah, off gas, the gas is expensive. Maybe they're trying to save some a little bit. Thanks, yeah. Jeff. Um, also, another thing talking about Texas. I know y'all seen this. I just know we haven't talked about it on the podcast, but uh, about like halfway through the fourth quarter of the Texas Oklahoma game, where they tweeted like they not they tied <clears> the game up. And then the Texas football account did not have another not tweet, tweet for over like yeah. seventy two hours. <laughs> yeah, I just found that so Never good. Just like, they lost. Yeah, mm-hmm. I love that. Arkansas has lost three straight games since that four and zero start. Brutal. Did we break them? I think we broke them. I think I think, I think that's yeah. I think we that's broke how it goes. Well, well, you you broke upset right here. Yeah, I think I think me and Jake specifically, since we were there, we broke. Yeah, Arkansas. we did it. Yeah, we did it. We broke it was it was when they saw follow deep shot sports on game day. <laughs> they're here. Just, uh, it was too loud. Maybe their ears are still ringing from that game. Could be. It was, it was loud. Hot. It was loud. Talk about decibels. Uh, and then the Ole Miss Tennessee fiasco. That nuts. was that was nuts, man. <laughs> he gets hit, uh, what's his? He gets hit with a golf ball. Kiffin got Lane hit Kiffin? With a golf ball. Yeah. That's nuts, Neon man. Think about this. You know, this, this thing was, something this thing that was a crazy scene, It was a scene. But one thing I was scene. thinking about was, you remember a couple of years ago when Kyrie Irvin, I think it was Kyrie, got hit with a water ball, a water bottle, and it was like number one news for like a week. It's like, oh my God, Kyrie Irving. <laughs> yeah. No, it was Russell Westbrook, wasn't it? No, it was Kyrie. Oh, whatever. It was, was yeah. Kyrie. What if, if somebody would have thrown a golf ball at Kyrie Irving, it would have hit him? That guy would be on the damn electric chair. <laughs> like, yeah. For for people that like don't know the situation, the reason why they started that shit, okay, 
So Tennessee brought that game. It was pretty close, pretty close game until the very yeah. end. Tennessee gets a gain on either third or fourth down. I it think it was fourth, fourth down. And it was fourth. And they almost got it, but they they were about a yard short. Well, the ref marked it about a yard and a half short, and so everybody got pissed off because they were like, oh, what a bad spot, this, that, and the other. Okay, well, next thing you know, they start throwing shit out on the field, 25-minute delay. They're walking guys out to the center field because their fans are throwing pizza boxes, mustard bottles, and golf balls. Sick. They kicked the student they section evacuate. out of yeah, the they entire the stadium. Section. That's crazy. They kicked them out of the game. They've already arrested six people from that thing. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, they went back and looked at video. Yeah, as of like 6.30 or 7 o'clock at night, there was like five people that had been arrested. That's classic. I hope they find That's the golf ball guy because that dude threw an absolute seed. <laughs> yeah. he, just, he, he brought his three iron with him and just hit a little stinger down there. Funny. Yeah. Now, how do you br- first? Why do you bring a golf ball to the stage? Yeah. You bring that thing in like yeah. I'm gonna so hit true. the damn head coach if say if the refs fuck this shit if up. They, I'm they fuck us up. I'm, I'm throwing this shit. Throwing this. I got it ready. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that I'm guy just like played around right before he got the kneeling. Dude, Tennessee yeah. down. Tennessee is down bad. That's crazy, and it's They're so it's so obvious they didn't get the first down, and right. they got the ball back, didn't they? They got the ball back. They got that's the, ball the back thing. That's chance. the thing. They they got they the fourth down conversion was not made when they were. It was fifty seconds left, and they still had all three timeouts, and they did get the ball back. They had oh, a chance. Like, like I get it. If like, yeah, if they got if they like lost it with like no timeouts. They were down six points. They were on like the ten or twelve, ten or eleven yard line. That's a little more reasonable. Not when you're like wherever and you still have a damn chance. Well, I mean, they it'd be reasonable too, it'd be reasonable too yeah. if it was like an obvious blown call or like the refs were obviously fucking you in the ass. But I mean, when it's when it's clear and evident that you did not get the first down, I don't understand it. It's that's like that's like if in back in 2012, if the ball was really in the infield and then the and then the fans started throwing debris. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. That that's what that's what hey, they were letting it sing, man. Um, I don't think Lane Kiffin's antics. I mean, he's just a trip in general. But just the fact that Tennessee fans hate him, and also too, yeah, he was stirring shit up before the game, like waiting at the crowd and like <laughs> being like, these guys don't like me that much. Dude, Lane that Kiffin, didn't help much either. Lane Kiffin is the man. NFL. Dreading this topic. Uh, one and eight. Read them. Read them. One and eight last Bad week. Bad week for the for the the G Dollar Sign show right here. Yeah. Uh, one and eight. Tough. That's what happens when I post my picks. They do not do well. Uh, overall, 30, 33, 30, 33-1. Jake, though, eight and one. Congrats to him. Real proud of you. Dude, 37, I'm the board, man. 20 and two. And Caleb with a little 500 week at three and three, 24, 19 and one overall. Good stuff. Good stuff to you too. Terrible stuff to me. Just absolutely brutal Sunday. But let's talk. It was absolutely. It was a pretty brutal Sunday for a lot of teams though. Um, like every game was a blowout except for like the Cardin or except for like the Panthers, Vikings, and the Cowboys, Patriots, and the Seahawks and Steelers. Like every other game other that was a blowout. The Chargers got absolutely destroyed by the Ravens. Oh um, yeah. That was shocking that the Chargers were just not able to score. And it's not like Lamar Jackson was doing anything crazy either. I mean, he didn't have that great of a game. I know Jake knows because he has him on his fantasy team. Ravens just whipped their ass. I mean, what the – that was – It was bad. 
yeah, it was a weird dominant game. Yeah. You know? Like, and especially the- coming off of like the hills of ESPN, all drinking the Kool Aid. Brandon Staley is this. Stephen A's got the Chargers as the number one team in football and is like top five list. Yeah. And they go out there and week get week absolutely roasted. Yeah. And yeah, Justin Herbert finally played a, dare I say, below average game. And that's what happens to the Chargers. That's not a good sign. Like, they needed, they, you know, Austin Eckler didn't play a good game either. Coming from his fantasy owner. Other than, I mean, yeah, every game with a blowout. Ram, the Rams won by like 400. Yeah, yeah, the Rams, the Chiefs, kind of good. I mean, they blew them out. The Cardinals, absolutely. The Ca- yeah, Cardinals. Browns. I mean, Dude, it's about time to have a conversation about Browns. the Browns. Yeah. It's about time to have a conversation about the Browns. Are they actually, like, I don't think they're bad. They keep on, like, you know, at the beginning of the year, they had that really close game against the Chiefs. And, yeah, they lost, but at the same time, it's like, not a bad loss. You know, it's the Chiefs. You kept it close the entire game. You had an opportunity there at the end. So, I mean, yeah, you lose that game, but also it's super early in the year. You can get over that loss. And, you know, I just feel like for years now they've been, you know, the last two, three years, they've been really close to beating these really good teams, but they haven't been able to. And now it's, mm-hmm. you know, we're here. You know, this the team has been assembled. This is the team that's mm-hmm. supposed to do it. And they're unable to do it. You know, they play a good Cardinals team. And they get, you know, they get their back blown out. I, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't. Do I think it's a Baker issue? Not necessarily. I don't know where the issue is. I, I think do. that this, you do. I mean, they turned the ball over three times. Yes. The, the I, issue I, is they got twenty-five guys on the injury report right now, guys. And there's a fifty. It's okay, a three-man so, roster. At the same time, so are the Ravens. Yeah, I mean the Ravens have everybody. The Ravens and, have Devontae kicking ass. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's the National Football League, dude. Fucking win. Just, I don't get it, dude. Like, they they're supposed to be this really good team, and I fucking bet on them. They're favored. We talked about this last week. I was like, oh, they're favored. They must, you know, there must be something going on. That was the dumbest thing I've ever did. Fuck it. I, yeah, I, I'm, I'm very concerned about Jake the Browns talk, as well. Jake talking and, about the the it being a Baker issue. It might be a Baker issue, and what does not help a quarterback. I couldn't even imagine in the quarterback talk right here, especially for, you know, Jake. Do I don't think I could imagine myself throwing with a torn labrum. Like, that just does not seem like something I could do. Ne- that never. Impossible. Yeah. No. That impossible. No, and he's just like, yeah, I'm just going to push through it. I'm going to be a Cleveland Brown tough, and I'm just going to, dude, you're, it's just yeah. your pro- – I he, feel like I mean, he, point, he fumbled the ball twice. He fumbled the ball twice and had an interception. I mean, he had all three – he was responsible for all three – of Cleveland's turnovers, and they were all like in the first half, and then he he had that one hail mary at the end of the halftime. I mean, without that, I mean, they scored one. They would have scored only one touchdown. I bet that, that bitch hurt. hurt. That's for sure. There was it was fourteen nothing earlier. Then there was back to back turnovers. They stopped them two field goals. I mean, defense. Actually, I will give them a little credit for what they were able to do. But Baker, I think maybe it's just like. Colin Coward today said, I don't think the Browns can play from behind. Like, I think once the Browns are down, they're out. I think that would kind of make sense because I think Baker Mayfield, you know, he's not, he doesn't wow you. And I don't think their weapons with are that electric either, other than their two running backs, which are, you know, both hurt. They were, yeah. Yep. They, they got to do something with OBJ, though. Yeah, we they've been doing they've been doing they've been doing this dance for too long. It's clearly not going to work. I don't know what the I don't know what the issue is with OBJ because, I mean, my eyes tell me that he's he's still good. You I mean, know? he's still I mean, he's still he's still fast. He can still catch. I don't understand how they aren't able to get him the ball because you see a player talent wise, Jarvis Landry isn't quite on Odell's level in terms of speed you know, and reach, you know, and, and all, all that, like his catch radius is not even close to OBJ's, 
but they're able to get Jarvis Landry the ball. So, you know, maybe don't split OBJ out wide every single time. Bring him in the slot. Let him run some, like, hook, hooks and curls and stuff, just like some, you know, easy routes to give him the ball. I don't know if that would help. But, like I said, this is his third year in Cleveland. Yeah, he was hurt that one year. They got to figure something out or they got to sell him because his stock from the first day he was a Cleveland Brown to now is completely, completely different. It's completely falling off the side of the cliff. So it's either they got to figure it out or he's got to get out of there. You got to get something for him because this window that they have, this window of opportunity is closing very quickly. Think about all those years that Cleveland has had. You know, this is probably where it comes from, where I'm a little hesitant to say it's a Baker problem. It's because I always think about that one jersey, that uh, Cleveland Browns jersey, where it has um, Mm -hmm. all the starting quarterbacks. And, you know, where Baker isn't a first-team all-pro caliber quarterback in the NFL, he's the absolute least solid if for the most part he's not going to lose you games he might not be able to win you a game like colin cowherd was saying like playing from behind he might not be able to win you that game but there are some instances where he's not going to completely you know melt down and lose the game for you that's where i'm coming from for that if i'm a cleveland browns fan and i sat through all those years where we were terrible and terrible and terrible you know i want to look at my gm and say dude you're gonna have to do something now because clearly this isn't the team that you have you know currently uh, assembled is not the answer it's not going to get it's not going to give you wins and you know come when it matters it's not going to happen yeah but uh, you know you that's to me this receiver thing makes me think it might be baker's problem like he just cannot for whatever he does every other quarterback in the league gets an offseason with their guys and they're fine he can He still cannot find OBJ, and he cannot connect with these guys. And you're talking about Cleveland's offense with weapons like Njoku and Austin Hooper. Not many offenses have two good tight ends like that. Not many offenses have two good running backs like that. Mm-hmm. And they're just not able to get stuff going. And you know, injuries are a thing. Two for them. And let's give some credit to Arizona. Also, Arizona's defense. That's something we didn't think we were going to be talking about coming into the season, but they look for real. Like they are a problem on defense. D-line looks really good. Buda Baker's playing his ass off. Isaiah Simmons is coming into form. You got that on the other side in an MVP caliber quarterback looking like like Kyler Murray. So hats off to them, too. Cleveland's played a tough little schedule right here to start the season. They have. They have. I think that's. I think it wouldn't be fair if we didn't add that because they have. They've played a gauntlet. Um, but at the same yep. time, if you're going to want to be a Super Bowl contender team, yeah. like they one want to lose, too. They're going to have to come up with some of them. Yeah, it's one thing to lose too. You know, if they played the Cardinals like they played the Chiefs, you know, you're not that mad about it. But you know, when you That's just right. absolutely never stood a chance, it's a little defeating. Cowboys Pats, that was insane. That game was crazy. It was like, bonkers. That was the best game of the week, without a doubt. Went to overtime. The the last like three minutes of and we were all texting there in this because Jake was talking about how he had his record and I was like, Don't you know what? Well, you know, don't don't the Pats game isn't over yet. The Pats game isn't over yet. And then Trayvon Diggs gets another interception. I think he's got like seven or eight at this point. Seven in six games. And I'm pretty sure last week I said this is the game that Trayvon Diggs doesn't get an interception, uh, which it almost wasn't, I guess. But then Mac Jones, I mean, no fear just goes right back in between two Dallas defenders to score a touchdown real quick. Uh, and then the Cowboys are able to tie it back up. Uh, an insane game goes to overtime. Dak Prescott gets hit CD land, a little wave goodbye. Caleb, how you feeling about the page, how this game and then the Patriots in general? Uh, by the way, Caleb, the Patriots are 0-4 at home this year. Yeah, that's something that would happen if uh, Tom Brady was still there. Anyways, thanks, Bill. 
I mean, I'm not really too upset about the game because, I mean, you're just going – if the games get that funky at the end, sometimes you're just going to lose them. Like, Mac, the the ball that got picked by Trayvon was a, was a weird play. Credit to him throwing the touchdown pass right after that, responding in such a way, even though Dallas blew that coverage. New England's played every team that's really good pretty damn tough this year. Like they just play ball games. That's one thing about them. Cowboys, and I think they're still a really good team. They may be one of the best teams in the league that may be also a little inflated because they are a turnover-making machine on defense right now. But, you know, I, I didn't think we're I, – I picked the Cowboys last week. I didn't think New England was going to be able to win this game. I'm just satisfied with the way we played anyways. I mean, I don't think New England's – hate to say it. They're not – they're an average football team. You know what I mean? Like, they're, they're still halfway rebuilding. Dak Mac gone. Jones looked better though. I, I liked what I saw to Mac. Mac stretched the field a little bit. I'm very pleased with Mac this year. Mac Jones has played well as any rookie could play this year. And I mean, to be frank with you guys, he looks like the best rookie quarterback so far this year. Mm-hmm. That's probably agree. No, he may be in the I best. Th- I best think Trevor. I think Trevor's been caught up with him now. Trevor's coming around. Trevor is starting to is play a little better. And yeah, no, something he got had to adjust. But let's let's try. Well, first I wanted to say Dak Prescott probably could probably might win the MVP. Crazy, yeah. I mean, real quick, the Cowboys as a team are so good, so man. Good. Like they really are. The, the fact that they're de- the defense so good, they're really good. No, yeah. I think they're so good because that not only do they have this offense that has always been elite, especially with Dak Prescott at the. I mean, Ceedee Lamb. Listen to this stat: nine receptions, 149 yards, two touchdowns. Amari Cooper's not even really doing anything. Like when you think about it, like Amari nope. Cooper, week one at the big game, and we haven't really heard about him since. Ezekiel Elliott, everybody was sleeping on him. He is he's back and better than ever. I mean, dude, they're good. The offense is rolling, which we always knew they had. And on top of that, their defense, like their defense. I mean, Dan Quinn's back to being you know the uh, the badass he was when the Falcons got him. I mean, it's just it's crazy. They they are good. It's easy. They're easily running away with their division. That's you know pretty shitty. Now, will they do it in the playoffs? Who knows? But for right now, yeah, they're pretty good. And then I want to transition to that, though. The Jags did win their first game. Shout out. Shout out T-Law. Didn't throw an interception. 319 yards, one touchdown, no interceptions. Uh, apparently, I heard this on part of my take when I was listening today, the Jags hadn't made a field goal yet this season. That was like yeah, isn't that weird? their first two field goals they had made all season, and they did it in That's the last really like, weird. four minutes. And that one, I will say this as an uh, as a uh, implant Jags fan, that that one that they made to tie it up. If there is ever an argument for a magnet to be in the football and to pull that thing in to make it good, watch that because oh my god, like it did a complete like it looked like one of my like golf drives, like it's just and then just dips right in. Last say, looked like a damn curveball. Barely hitting the uh, the bottom corner of the strike zone. It blew my mind. I'm happy for him. Happy for all Urban. He bought himself another week. Trevor Lawrence beats Tua again. That's and another Tua looks horrible. He threw for 329 yards. That's, okay, I don't care. I, I don't care. Yeah, 47? That, that interception he threw, like right at the very end, there's not We're even a receiver. There's not even a receiver on the TV. Like on the whole TV. And you're playing the Jags defense. So, yeah, okay. You have, like, good numbers and everything. Like, you know, that's all well and good. But at the same time, I mean, good God, the game's on the line. And you throw it, there isn't even anybody a quarter mile away from you. I'm just – I cannot sell myself on Tua. I, I 
at all. I just, you know, I can never get myself to be impressed with them. I'm with you too, Jake. And I think like Tua may be a product of a Lane Kiffin system that was constructed. He, you know, he left after, you know, Tua really came in. He actually didn't even coach him in the national championship game that year, but that was his system and it's still there. And it may just been Tua was really good with four first round receivers. wide receivers throwing to yeah. in college ball. He struggled in the NFL. Like he just he couldn't learn the playbook last year for Miami. And that's that's came out to be why he did not play over Fitzpatrick. And this year it just they don't look as good as they did last year. Well, yeah, and last year they were ten and six, now they're like one and five. Going uh, back, there were not many people that said that Herbert was gonna be better than Tua. I mean, that was that was a hot topic, and everybody was like, you're crazy. Here we are. Last thing I have for the NFL, <laughs> TJ Watt is a monster. Just wanted to give him his credit. Yeah, yeah. He gets paid the bucks for a reason, dude. Shout out. Hey, man, this goes back to Garrison when me and you did that podcast about like the top players. We were both like, TJ Watt is the best defensive player. He hurt us. He clearly hurt us because he is It seems like everybody has. Arkansas has. TJ Watt has. Everybody I pick against has. I mean, everyone's hurt. (laughs) Bulletin board material. That's the thing. You know, that's the problem is when I don't post, no one's listening. But whenever they see it visually, they turn it on. I won't stop them. I won't. Last thing we're going to talk about before we wrap it up, and then we'll have another episode Thursday with the picks for this weekend. NBA starts Tuesday with two games. Brooklyn, Milwaukee, ring night for the Bucks For Giannis, good old Katie and James Harden, no Kyrie Irving, walk in the building. The semifinals, the Lakers-Warriors with Klay Thompson, first game back in two years. Love with that. the nightcap. I'm very excited. Now, look, once we get two weeks, three weeks into the NBA season, I'll probably die out of everything else besides the Hawks. I'll probably be pretty locked into the Hawks this year, knowing how good we're going to be. Opening night, I'm pumped. I'm excited. I love early season NBA, and then it kind of gets a little lull there in the middle of the season. Then, like, late in the playoffs, I love it. Tonight, watch the Bucks. saw a, a video on Twitter a couple of days ago of a clip of Giannis in the preseason knocking down jumpers and yep. like turnaround Jays and it kind of shook me to my core. I'm not gonna lie, but also if we're gonna talk basketball here for a second, obviously I'm gonna want to talk Hawks because the Hawks Heat game the other night we played our starters and we kicked the shit out of them and mm-hmm. oh my god we looked good. Kevin Herter got that extension tonight, mm-hmm. four years. So listen to this, Trey Young, Kevin Herter. John Collins and Clint Capella all through 2025 under contract with DeAndre Hunter and Cam Rush still on rookie deals. George is going to win the national championship. The Braves are going to win the World Series. The Hawks are going to win the finals in all one calendar. And the Falcons? The Falcons won a bye week this week. So that's the thing. Be the Jets. That's the thing. The Falcons, yeah. the Falcons are going to get there off. Calvin really came back. He had personal problems. Got his mind right. We know how to throw to Kyle Pitts now. Coming off a of bye week, we're ready to roll. Playing the Dolphins this week. Yeah, we're going to be three and three after this week. We're going to be three and three after this week with why not us? Yeah. Uh, but Caleb, what's your take? Oh, here we go. What, what are you thinking about these games? It's too bad I won't be watching them because the Braves will be on. However, I True. am really excited True. to see what what Clay Thompson does coming back. He's one of my favorite watches in the league always, just because he can go off for thirty and a quarter on a random night. That's going to be sweet to see. I hope he stays healthy this year. Um, and I might think though, like 
I don't really want NBA in the middle of the season, but I'll watch it at the start and I'll watch it in the playoffs. Sports are on, baby. That's yeah, the February thing. basketball just doesn't hit that hard. No. no. <laughs> Nobody's playing for anything. You can't convince me that they that those people want it. Like on like the you know, like three straight nights of back to backs, like they don't want to play. They don't want to play. No. I promise you they don't. Before we wrap up, we're still talking basketball. Let's get some MVP and then champion predictions. Can't pick Giannis. That's just a rule. We can't pick Giannis. You could pick Giannis if you think he's going to win the MVP. I don't think he's going to win the MVP, though. I don't think he will either. I think it's going to be Trey Giannis. I think it's going to be Kyrie Irving for taking a stand against the totalitarian government. It should be Kyrie. He's the MVP. He's already won. Patrick is the heaviest favorite. Let's get a prediction, though, guys. Who's going to win the MVP? Uh, give me KD. KD's going to do it. I think it's not even close at this point. I think KD's the best player in the world. I think he's the best scorer that we've seen arguably ever. He is an incredible defender. I think the Nets will be a problem again this year. You know, I think they'll either win the East or come in second in the East. Uh, unless injury happens, I don't think they're going to be any lower than that. I think KD is still going to be his same dominant self. I mean, KD, that's a safe bet to make. You can always bet on Kevin Durant every night to go out. Even in the playoffs last year, I know they did get bounced by the Bucks in uh, Game 7. They were giving him fits, man. And uh, he hit that turnaround jump shot in Game 7 to send it to OT. That is electric. That is MVP caliber stuff. He's done it before. He'll do it again. I think he'll even be better this year than he was last year. You know, uh, like, like you said, that's a very safe bet. Kevin Durant got to have to show out this year. Kind of on a mission because his partner in crime has kind of left the side. I'm going to go Joel Embiid. I think he's got this year. It's going to be the one where he just takes over, which, I mean, he kind of took over basketball too, but I think he's just going to go on a run. I think he cement himself as the best center in basketball and put himself in the conversation yeah. with guys like Giannis and Kevin Durant. I'm going to go with Jokic back-to-back. Not because I'm just so convinced that Jokic, but when I look at, when I look at the people ahead of him, KD and – Oh, Embiid, great picks, but like everybody else that I'm looking in front of them, Curry, Lillard, Doncic, I just don't, I'm not going to buy into the Doncic hype over Trey Young. I would think Trey Young probably could win it over Doncic. I would like to pick Trey Young, but I'm not going to do that. The Nuggets still revolve around him and with Jamal Murray coming back. I think the Nuggets, sneaky number one. I'm taking Jokic, average a triple double again this year. I think they'll give him some love. I think it'll happen. I just think everyone else is going to just do their regular thing, but I like you guys' picks too. Champ, who's winning the NBA title this year? I'm just going to go ahead and say the Hawks are going to do it. I truly feel so confident about this team. Probably going to win. I mean, put it on record. We're going to win at least 55 games this year. I think we're the best team in the East, especially if the Nets are about to run around here with no Kyrie Irving, just James Harden, Kevin Durant. You saw last year, the Bucks were good enough to get through it. I think the Hawks, the core is too good. Everyone there, it's the culture. We're seeing it with the Braves right now. Look, the Dodgers, way more talent. It's all about the culture. It's all about the team. It's all about the the resiliency when you're in the playoffs. We saw it last year with the Hawks. 76ers, way better talent, way bigger, stronger, everything. Didn't matter. Resiliency culture for the A. This is the year I'm going to pick Hawks to win the championship. Um, obviously, I'd love to take that with you. And uh, honestly, like gun to my head, I'm not going to though. Just I, that's where my heart is. I'm, I'm going to the Brooklyn Nets. I think Kate. I really do. I think Katie's going to be on another level this year. And honestly, I think to an, to an extent, having just either one of Kyrie or James Harden actually sort of plays to an advantage. Because you have one sole guy who's going to be taking the ball down the court. And, you know, obviously they're going to have the situation. Blake Griffin. 
where they give the ball to KD and let him take it up. Instances where teams try and build around two point guards, and I just, I just, I, you know, me personally, I never really enjoy watching you know two guys split the ball, like ball handle and everything. I think it, you know, there's only one ball at the end of the day, and having two point guards gets it crowded. I just think I'm gonna go with them. They have a crazy, they have a crazy roster. They have a crazy roster. They almost did it last year. I think they'll do it this year. But low key, the Hawks. It's down to two for me, but I'm gonna take Phoenix right here. I think they got it. They're on a mission after last year. Give me Phoenix. I, I, that's what I'm hoping wins. I want Chris Paul to win a championship. He was so close last year. You know, maybe Devin Booker's MVP this year. Who knows? Fuck Chris Paul. What a hater. Fuck Chris I Paul. Greatness. I hate All Chris. Right. I hate Chris Paul. He's such a bitch. He is. It's aggressive uh, take right there, Jake. No, it's not. Dude, I just remember last postseason. I can't even remember. It was just every game. He's always in there whining to the fucking ref and always flailing and everything. It pisses me off. Fuck Chris Paul. Insert picture of Steph Curry's crossing up Chris Paul back in like 2015, 2016. That was brutal. He literally Fuck broke Chris. him. Uh, I so just real quick, just like the last little thing. So what are y'all's expectations for the Warriors this year? Now that you have Steph fully back, now you got Klay Thompson back. Yes, we can talk about Draymond. I, don't, I still think James he blows. Wiseman. James Wiseman in the mix. Andrew Wiggins uh, is still on Andrew that team. Wiggins. Hey, they also uh, have Iggy back now. Also, you know, the vaccine. Did y'all see where like Bradley Beal isn't vaxxed but can play in all the games? Why? I don't know. I didn't read into it. I just saw that's a thing. It's interesting. Interesting. But, I, but to your point, I think the Warriors are going to be good. I think they'll Mid-tier easily yeah, they'll right be they'll be right back in. I mean, they're two two talented. I mean, as long mm-hmm. as, unless Clay comes out and isn't Clay Thompson anymore, which I would not assume because I mean his part in the offense is really just running around, getting to his spot. You know, he doesn't have to make a lot of moves inside, or you know, he's just a slasher and a scorer. The Warriors would definitely be a top four seed again. I would think so too. I'm just a little bit skeptical about Draymond's ability to play defense coming off of that injury, and that was really wanted like his saving grace for them is they could the Warriors could play some damn defense too with Draymond Green and Clay Thompson on the perimeter it's pretty pretty tough pair to get by it's healthy like you should be they got the old the whole old crew back except for KD Looney's still there Otto Porter Jr.'s on the team now and then you talk about Wiggins and Wiseman two pretty good talents Wiggins may be a little bit more disappointed we still don't know about Wiseman but Looking okay. sweet at the moment for them. They're going to be good. This is, it's a talented roster. I just wanted to say something. When we started this podcast, it was the third inning of the Red Sox Astros. It is just now the top of the fifth. And we did oh, this my God. Even a short pod. I mean, oh, my God. But that's the, the Monday. Hit, the over did hit. That's pretty the, good. Monday night edition. We'll be back in just a few days to make our picks for Jake, Caleb, and Garrison. Deep Shot Pod, episode 37, Sean Alexander and Metal World Peace. Smell you later.